Good afternoon. Welcome to Hebrew Club at Concordia Seminary. Here at the end of July as Professor Seleska finishes basking in the sun up at his family cabin in Minnesota. Us more diligent folk are here with our noses in the Hebrew text, faithfully doing a right work while it is day before the night comes or something like that. That's right. Uh, next week, uh, Dr. Seleska will be back with us, so we will uh, anxiously await the return of the Master, and uh, today we will uh, do our best to keep plugging along through the text. We had gotten up through verse 28 the last time. The houses of David and the house of Saul are fighting. Ishbosheth has been crowned as king over all the tribes of Israel, except for Judah, and um, he is ruling um, under or with the assistance of the general Abner as his strong man. And David is um, ruling in Hebron, and he has Joab and his brothers as his military commanders, and they have fought a, um, um, a battle, and one of the brothers of Joab has been struck down. Um, uh, and now they have been pursuing Abner and his men, Saul's men, um, and uh, that's where we leave them. They've, they were pursuing them, and as they chased after them, Abner cried out, For goodness sake, will you stop chasing me? Is the sword going to just keep on devouring forever? And uh, Joab responds, I tell you the truth, if you hadn't spoken, we were going to stop chasing you in the morning anyway. So they break off chasing after them, and they no longer fight. That's the last words of verse 28. They did not continue any longer. Le Hilachem, to do battle. That brings us to verse 29. And today we should have a chance to finish up this chapter and start a little bit into chapter 3. Verse 29. Ba'avner v'anashav halaku ba'arava kol halayla hahu. Vai Yaavru et Hayardain, Vai Yeliku Kol Ha Bitron, Vai Yavou Machanayim. And Abner and his men, notice the disjunctive Vav at the beginning there, you get your subject right away, which tells you it's kind of an emphatic change of subject here, or emphatic emphasis. Now Abner and his men, they halakhed, they journeyed. In the Arava, in the uh, dry regions, all that night. And they crossed over from the root Avar, direct object, Ha Yardane. What's Yardane? It's proper now, a proper uh, name. They crossed over the, well, what do you suppose you cross over? Yeah, the Jordan. There you go. They crossed over the Jordan. And they came, notice that's from Halak there, the hay has dropped out, acts like a first yod. And they came, or they went, all habitron, all the bitron. Now, uh, this is a hapax legomena, and it only occurs here. And it seems to be related to the verb batar, which means to cleave in two. And traditionally, it's been regarded probably as, as a, a nickname or a proper name for the the large ravine that runs through the whole land of ravine. Uh, it's kind of a 
strange word for such a huge depression of land, but the, the Jordan River Valley, that great depression that runs through the land. So they journey over to the Jordan, they cross over it, they travel through that whole ravine, that whole depression. You can kind of see that being related to Batar, to cleave in two. It's the, the deep depression that cleaves into the land. Um, other uh, Others suggest that it has the meaning mourning, which would be a completely different meaning. And they must get that from a from a cognate language to Hebrew is the only thing I can figure out that recent studies have suggested that as a possibility. So either it's a geographic uh, term, they journeyed the whole betrone, that whole through the whole valley, or it's a temporal um, designation. It's already said they traveled the whole Lila. This would say that they traveled also the morning, the whole morning, vayavou ma kanayim, and they came and here you just have a place name, Makanayim. There's no preposition there, no L, so it's just acting as an adverbial accusative of place. They came to Makanayim. You guys remember the significance of this place? What is this city, Makanayim, here in the study, in the uh, story of, of uh, Ishbosheth and David? This is the place that Ishbosheth has as his center, or the place of his reign. So he has a place of reign over across east of the Jordan River. At the beginning of chapter 2 here, it says that's where they crowned him king. So that's where he's reigning from. And now that's where he retreats to, or that's where his armies retreat to. Abner and his men retreat now back to the place where Ishbosheth is reigning. And um, it's an interesting, uh, it's one of these inter interesting uh, coincidental places in Scripture that comes up a number of times. Um, it's the place where it got its name when, when Jacob met Esau when he was returning from serving his uncle. Remember the story? He returns with all his flocks and wives and children, and, and he meets Esau coming towards him on the way, and he's fearful about that. And God's angels comfort him the night before, and so he names the place Makanayim. You guys remember what the word Makaneh means in Hebrew? Camp, or an encampment. And so what's Makanayim with that I-M ending? It's a dual. Okay, so so two camps, two camps, and uh, Jacob had named it two camps because the, his camp and the camp of the angels of God, or maybe because of the camp of Esau who he was going to meet, uh, but probably because of the angels of God who met him there. So there's this story of this hostility and, and tension between the two brothers associated with Machaniah. Now there's uh, it's associated with the split reign of of kings over Israel, house of Saul, house of David. During Absalom's rebellion, when David's own son rises up against him, guess where David flees and takes refuge? Machaniah. So it ends up being the place again where uh, associated with tension between brothers within Israel. And um, in fact, we're going to get to Absalom here in the list of David's sons at the beginning of chapter 3. Verse 30. We started verse 29 with a disjunctive vav emphasizing um, an emphasis on Abner. Now we have a disjunctive vav with Joab. So here's what's happening with Abner. Now verse 30, Vayoav and Joab shav me'akare Avner. He turned from after Abner. He stopped following him. Vayikbots et kol ha'am vayipadaku Mayavde David, Tisha Asar Ish, the Verva Asahel. 
Um, so uh, Joab turns from after Abner, and then kavatz means to gather. So and he gathered direct object all the people, and he pakaded or they pakaded. But notice what conjugation this is here. Uh, Yipakadu. What conjugation is that? It's not call. A PL would have a doubled middle root letter. This has a doubled first root letter. That's a sign that it's a nifal, that doubled first letter with the comments under it. Uh, pakad means to visit or to muster or to count or to appoint. It means lots of things in the call. Here in the nifal, it oftentimes has the sense of to be missing, to be missing. So it's plural. Um, he gathers all the people, and uh, and they were missing from the servants of David. This is a partitive men. From among the servants of David, they were missing. And now we have some numbers. Tisha Asar is 910. And that's the way, remember, the Hebrew does uh, the teens. To say 19, you say 910. So there were missing 19 men and... Asahel. So Asahel, who had been struck down, plus 19 others were missing from the camp of da or from the uh, serve from among the servants of David. Any questions on the language there? Um, so the, the verb missing is actually referring to the <coughs> the 19 men in Asahel, right? Yeah. Yeah, it's not missing like my heart is pining for them or something yeah, like that, right? It's to be to be lacking or to be uh yeah, to be not in the line. Mm -hmm. Good. All right, uh, verse 31. Vav de David, another disjunctive vav introducing the subject and the servants of David. Hiku me binyamin u vaanshe avner shalosh meot Vashishim ish meto. And the servants of David, they struck, this is just a hifil perfect from naka, that disappearing verb, the only part of the rud is the kaf there. They struck from among Benjamin and among the anshe of Abner, the men of Abner. Notice the uh, preposition on the front of anshe there, it's a bait. Now, you would think that it would be, it's just said from among Benjamin. You would expect from among with a min, uh, with another well, with another min there instead of a bait. A bait can have the sense of among as a preposition. It just seems strange that they vary. It's kind of the same use, but they vary the preposition. And notice the little small letter A's around the expression um, u v'an she avner there. They want you to look down at the footnote A. Verse 31, if you look down at the bottom of the page, find note 31, A-A, -A, it points out that the, uh, uh, the, uh, um, the uh, one Septuagint recension, the Lucianic Septuagint recession, recension, reads tone androne avner, so basically uh, just a genitive in the in the Greek, basically equivalent to a min from among, or uh, another uh, another reading is 
ektulau avner, which is even more explicitly a partitive construction, from among or out of the people of Abner. Um, there's a Syriac reading there, which I cannot read <laughs> or understand, but uh, Seleska would be able to. The Vulgate says, um, and from among the men who were with Abner, so kind of a long version uh, saying the same thing. Um, all of those basically read like a min. And so it's just, it's interesting. The reason why uh, the footnotes are there is just to, because the editors are taking note that it's a little strange to vary that preposition bait there. Um, notice also the the uh, accent under Avner there at the end of the line. You get the Atnach, which is the main break. And so it's, it's uh, a little strange, the syntax here, as we go on to the second half of the verse. The serv- and the servants of David struck from among Benjamin and from among the men of Abner. Pause. 300, shalosh me'ot, three and then hundred, and shishim. What's the number shesh? Six. So shishim is, with the plural ending, it makes it 60. Good. So 360 men, they died. So you kind of are expecting the number of men there as the direct object of hiku from the first part of the clause. But really, um, basically the way that the Masoretes are accenting it here anyway, they want you to read, and the men of, or the servants of David struck Benjamin and the men of Abner. Pause. And then a new clause, 360 men died. Because you get that um, meto verb, the perfect of moot at the end. Any questions on 31? All right, verse 32. Vayisau Aviv. All right, that first verb there, um, it does not have a dagesh in the sin to tell you that a nun has dropped out and assimilated, but it is from a first nun uh, verb nevertheless, from nasa, to lift up or carry. So, and they picked up Asahel, his dead body, or they carried Asahel, either one, and they covard him. Notice that the... Uh, who ending there, the third masculine singular object suffix. How can I tell it's they kavard him? How can you tell that that's a plural verb? ruhu. It's that shurik, that U vowel under the resh. That's, uh, it, sorry, not a shurik, a kibbutz. It, uh, it's normally a shurik, right? You expect the mater vowel u at the end on these plural verbs, but when there's a suffix, sometimes that shifts to a kibbutz, and it's easy to overlook that. So it's a third plural verb with a third singular suffix on the end. They kavard him, and kavar is a fun verb to remember. Um, it's an easy mnemonic, right? It means to bury, so it sounds like to cover something and to, to bury. And here the cognate, uh, uh, Cognative kavar, as the in the prepositional phrase here, they buried him be kever in a grave. Kever is a seglet noun meaning grave, or I sh- it's but it's in construct here with aviv in the grave of his father.
which was Bethlehem. And you take that as uh, an adverbial accusative of place. You make it a prepositional phrase, which was in Bethlehem or at Bethlehem or near Bethlehem. Uh, it's pretty flexible there. And they went all the night. So notice the parallel between the two groups here. And they traveled all the night. Joab and his men did. Vayeor. Now this is a hollow root. Normally, a hollow root in the call will have a comets under the performative. And this has a tsere under the performative. It's a little irregular, possibly because of the first, uh, um, possibly because of the aleph at the beginning of the root there, changes things. Uh, to, uh, to or means to become light or to become day. Or is, as a noun means light, right? The noun or is light. As a verb, it means to become light, to shine, to become day. So this is kind of an impersonal verb here. The subject's not indicated. It's just it. And it became day, lahem, on them or for them in Hebron. So they traveled through the night and day came upon them, you might say, or day came to them in Hebron. When it was day, they had arrived at Hebron. Any questions? All right. <laughs> Chapter 3 of the first verse really just sums up the preceding narrative. Vatahi. Now, normally you see vaihi. This is vatahi. What's different here? You have a tav performative instead of a yod performative. Vaihi is and it was. Vatahi is either and you were or and it feminine was. And here uh, you look to the next word. Ha milchama, a feminine noun. It's the subject of that first verb. So that's why you have a vatahi, feminine, because milkama is feminine. Milkama is battle. And the battle was uruka. And then we have a disjunctive accent, uruka. Any guesses on the meaning of uruka? Arak is a verb that means to be long or to be set in order, to be laid out in a line. And uh, this, it's, it's a listed in the lexicon just as an adjective, but it looks a lot like a, a call passive participle. You see that form, uh, ru, ka, with that U vowel in the middle. And it means something like extended, stretched out, long. So, and the battle was long. It was extended. Bain bait Shaul, uvein bait David, between the house of Saul and between the house of David. The David holek the kazek, uveit Shaul holakim the dalim, and David holek. What verb form is holek here with that initial holem? The verb is hol the root is halak, so it's just the root with a holem and then a sere. That's our that's our strong verb pattern for the participle, right, in the call. So it's just a participle. And David was walking, you would say literally. David was walking and, and now you get the adjective strong, kazak. And David was walking and strong. However, this is an idiom in Hebrew, and holek in a construction like this as a participle is a way of saying he kept on, or he was increasingly, he was more and more so strong. So um, uh, it, you have uh, passages like um, uh, 
I think it's in Jonah where it says the sea was ho lake and and raging or something like that. The sea was walking and raging. You don't think of the sea walking, but it just means the sea was raging more and more. And so this is a way of saying David is increasing in his uh, kazake, in his, in, in his being strong. So the battle was long between the house of Saul and the house of David, and David kept getting stronger, you would say. And, but the house of Saul, and notice again the participle from Halak, holakim v'dalim. And here dal is an adjective that means, any guesses, opposite of strong, weak, insignificant. And the house of Saul kept getting, you would say, weaker. And notice the way that this is framed. There's, it's really highlighting David as a person here. There's battle between the house of David and the house of Saul, but it doesn't say the house of David kept getting stronger. It says David kept getting stronger, and you see the singular participle there. Then it's the house of Saul kept getting weaker. The whole house of Saul, and they're viewed as a plurality with a plural participle and a plural adjective. All right, any questions on that verse? Yeah, it's kind of viewed as a plurality, a collective, I guess. Kind of, yeah, yeah, good. All right, uh, verse 2 introduces a listing that goes through verse 5 of David's children now. And it begins It begins with a verb that has a carry reading out in the margin. So take a look at that first verb of, of uh, verse 2. Notice the root, yalad, which means to give birth to or to beget. Um, and here it's formed, um, boy, uh, it's, it's actually a little strange to read it because the vowels don't follow along with what's written. That's always the case with these carry readings. You're supposed to take these vowels and attach them onto the consonants that are out in the margin over the little cough. So you see out to the left of the line there, the small cough in the margin with a word above it. Those are the vowels that you're supposed to, if you have a magnifying glass so that you can see them, uh, substitute in. I'm, I'm sorry, these are the consonants out in the margin that you're supposed to substitute in for the consonants that are in the text and read them with the vowels that are written in the text so that you end up with a, with a nifal. Otherwise, if you try to read this as a call, it doesn't make much sense. They gave birth to, for David, um, but the problem is that's not feminine, so it couldn't be like his wives that are going to be mentioned. So the Masoretes uh, suggest that you read it as a nifal there, and they insert an extra vav. That first yod in the nifal becomes a doubled vav, and so you get vi yivaladu, and they were born. The nifal makes it passive, right? So, and they were born, ledavid banim bechevron. And they were born to David sons. So sons becomes the subject. And sons were born to David in Hebron. Vahi Bakoro Amnon. La, and now I'm, these names are always fun to pronounce. La Akinoam. Okay. Uh, and the firstborn was, Bakor is firstborn. So actually, and his firstborn, right? Bakoro, his firstborn was Amnon. Belonging to, and this is Amnon's mother's name, Akinoam, Ahinoam. And then it describes her, this last word, 
Ha-Yisraelit. Ha-Yisraelit. The Jezreelite. She's from Jezreel. Or actually, to be more proper, the Jezreelitess, since it's uh, feminine. All right, so his firstborn is Amnon. And his second, his second from uh, Mishneh, which you can see the root of the number two in there in the middle, Shanaim. And his second, Kilaav. This is the son's name, Kilaav, belonging to Abigail, the wife of Naval, the Carmelite. So she's the, the widow of, of a, the man named Nabal, who lived at Carmel. Uh, verse 4, the Hashilishi of Shalom bain Ma'aka bat Talmai Melech Geshur. And the third, see the number three in there, Shalosh, that Hiric Yod on the end makes it an ordinal, an ordinal number. So in other words, not three, but third. The third, what in the verbless sentence here, so you stick in was, the third was Absalom. The son of Maka, the daughter of uh, Talmai, the king of Geshur. And the fourth, Vaha Ravii, Adoniah, Adonijah, Bain Kagit, the son of Kagit. Vaha Mishi, or sorry, Vaha Kamishi, Vaha Kamishi, and the fifth. And now another name, Shaphatiah, Shaphatiah, the son of Avital. Okay, we're to the fifth son, we're also to the fifth wife or mother. Vahashishi, Yitraam, and the sixth, see Shesh there with the E on the end, and the sixth was uh, Itraam, or Yitraam, belonging to Eglah, the wife of David, Eshet David. Eshet is just the construct form of Isha, the wife of David. And then the summary phrase, Ela Yuladu uh, la David Bekevron. And uh, there it's just uh, um, um, the uh, Pu'al form of... Uh, of Yalad makes it passive. These were born to David in Hebron. Any questions on those? All right. Well, that's enough for today. We're ready to resume the narrative with more Milchama in the next verse. So we had a little break with everyone returning to home base and uh, uh, back to the action next Thursday. Thanks, guys.